How do we create more sustainable people, businesses and a more sustainable world? At EarthSelf, we believe you need to create harmony between humanity and nature. Sustainable the podcast brings you inspiring interviews with leaders who are taking action to help create harmony between humanity and nature. Join your host, Tabby Jane, founder of EarthSelf, to discover nature-connected ways of being and working and become inspired to take action. In episode 109, I spoke with Alison Azaria, founder of Fetch, about the power of bringing startups and corporations together for sustainable innovation that creates a more sustainable world. Ian Percy, an organisational psychologist by formal education, is widely regarded as a possibility expert. His clients and colleagues frequently refer to and access his uncanny ability to see game-changing possibilities others don't see and turn them into profitable new realities. Ian has worked globally in a variety of industries, including technology companies, government ministries, professional services, education, manufacturing, finance and insurance, agriculture and retail operations. Major companies such as KMPG, Royal Bank of Canada and UNIFI retained his services for multiple years. Ian is also the author of seven books, and a gifted corporate speaker who has presented to audiences around the world and was inducted into both the USA and Canadian Speaker Halls of Fame. Successful Meetings magazine declared Ian as one of the top 21 speakers for the 21st century. Welcome, Ian. It is great to have you on Sustainable today. Abby, thank you so much. A pleasure to be with you. So my first question, Ian, is how can possibility thinking help us create sustainable businesses and a more sustainable world? I think it's the only way to, to do all of that. But let me, let me back us up a little bit and put down a couple of uh, concepts that will be helpful to, uh, to really seeing the whole idea of possibilities in, in a new way. I think, Tabby, uh, all of us know and on some level, even though we may not have language for it, that we experience life really on two levels. Uh, one level uh, is kind of what I often will call the uh, the world of measurement or the, or the mechanistic world. That's the things that we, you know, see and feel and touch and smell and all that kind of thing, you know, what we often call the real world. Mm-hmm. There's another one that we often don't admit to, but we know it's there, and that's called the, the world of possibilities, or Immanuel Kant called it noumenon. And that's this other, other thing that sort of floats above and around us where the mysteries come from. And we've all, I think we've all had those experiences where you think, how did that happen? You know, isn't it funny that that happened when this happened? Or isn't it funny you would call right now? And those, those kinds of things, does that make any sense? It does make perfect sense. I mean, what, what, what you're saying, and I'll just feedback to make sure that I've understood it and we can make sure that the, the, the listeners have got it as well. So we've got this real world, this me- mechanistic world, as you've called it, where we can measure things, we can touch things, it's tangible, like I'm touching the desk, my feet are on the ground, I've got my laptop in front of me, we're, we're speaking at this precise moment. But as well, there's this almost non-material world, I suppose, this invisible world, this mysterious world, and this is, this is what you're calling the realm of possibilities. That's correct. And, 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 and so, so it, it's out there, whether we'd like to admit that or not. So when, when you get even executives who say, you know what, I'm, between you and I, we, we, I make a lot of decisions based on my intuition, that intuition is tapping into that world of possibilities. Hmm. 
some don't like to admit that, you know, because you, you, nobody goes into a boardroom and says, you know, I just I had this vision, this dream last night, and you know, no, no, that that won't work. You, you got to have data. You got to have a spreadsheet. You know, the mechanistic material stuff, the measurement stuff. But the truth is, our lives are really driven by this noumenon, this this other this. I don't even I don't know if metaphysical is the right word, but this world of possibility. So so that's the first concept that possibilities don't live in this, you know, in this uh, world of measurement. They live up in the other one. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, then the, then the issue is, all right, now, how do, did you ask me, well, how do we learn to tap into that? Yeah. And here's where, the, here's where there's another, another concept, and that is the difference between problems, problem solving, and possibilities or seeing possibilities. Problems, by definition, all are historical. They all happened yesterday. Mm. But you and I were taught, all through our schooling, and we're taught in business and so on, that our job is to fix problems for people. Right? In other words, we're, most of us are spending our entire lives mending yesterday. Now, here's what's ironic about that. Even if you were 100% successful in fixing all the problems in your organization, all you are is caught up. And we all know, just at that moment, you think, oh, finally, finally, my, I've emptied my in-basket. You know that just give it a couple of seconds, and what do you got? You know, a whole bunch more problems to deal with. Now, when you look at it, why would anybody want to spend their life just fixing yesterday? Hmm. Abilities, on the other hand, don't live in yesterday. They only live in tomorrow. So when you, when you move away from focusing on the problem to try and say, wait a minute, let me, let me see if I can't access what is possible out there, you are by definition now becoming future-focused. So when you say to me, uh, how, do we, how do we use these, this thinking to, to sustain business, you can't sustain it just by fixing your problems. You have to focus on what is coming. What is, what's the world out there for of, of, of the world of tomorrow, if you will? And we can literally learn how to see that, even though we're none of us, we're, or very few of us, at least, were ever taught how to do that. But people since the beginning of time have, have known how to do this. The, the Da Vinci's of the world and so forth, or even in ancient Egypt. And, and I mean, people, there are certain people who have learned how to see things that nobody else sees. This is why Da Vinci, which is one of my favorite examples, drew pictures of helicopters. And it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before anybody actually made one. How did he see that when one exists? So this, this, this to me is a marvel. I, I don't know how it comes across to you. But, but if, if we can learn, say, how do, how, do, how, do, how do I learn how to think like that? Because I'll tell you what. If one person can do that, we can all do it. But we have conditioned and trained ourselves to only focus on problems. So that's why we're always stuck in yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, that's a really, really powerful way of looking at it, that we're always stuck in yesterday. And I mean, I suppose even like the Da Vinci example, would it be right then if we're we're thinking about this world of possibilities? I mean, we could even take it and apply it to maybe modern day visionaries such as Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, who are really visualising a new tomorrow in some of the, the, the technology that they're developing and what they're creating in the world. We, we can, and you don't, we don't have to look. Those are the icons of our world right now. But I'll tell you what, I see story after story of school kids, grade school kids, you know, 10, 12, 15 years old, and they're seeing things. 
you know, that, that, that none of us have seen. There, there are kids who are coming up with, with, uh, with remedies for diseases and, 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 and really sophisticated science. Now, how do they do that? Mm. Well, they're very bright. But that's not that's not the that's not the criteria. You know, none of us have to have 160, you know, I, IQ to to do this. We all are able to do it. Mm. So then, I suppose the next logical question. I mean, I wanted to ask about the seven principles of possibly think possibility thinking. But is is that how we do this? Yes, it is. It, it is, as a matter of fact. Now, one other thought just quickly crossed my mind as I was listening to you. When you stop and think about it, when you're a, when you, if you look at toddlers and young, young, young kids, you know their imagination has no boundaries. Hmm. Uh, and 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 they they and unfortunately they they'll keep that wonderful gift only to about the first or second grade of school, and then it's beaten out of them. And from there on, they're taught how to fix yesterday and how to solve problems. So we were all born with it. It's part of our DNA to see something else. So, yeah, I can review those. Those I think you got that out of one of my articles. There, there are seven things that seem to me that kind of give us the, the, the framework for how to see possibilities. You want, you want me to run through those quickly? Yeah, I would love it because, I mean, I think what you're highlighting here is, and I mean, I, I know for the listeners, if we've all got this potential to tap into the world of possibilities, how, how do we reclaim what you're actually saying is an essential part of our own inner nature? Exactly. And even, even the prospect of doing that is just so exhilarating. And every single employee in every single company is capable of doing this. All right, so here, let me run through them quickly. Uh, I, I, wrote, I just wrote down seven. Maybe there's more. Maybe I don't know. But anyway, the first, the first concept is that everything that will ever be possible is already possible. Hmm. In other words, uh, how long have, have we seen in cartoons and in science fiction the idea of flying cars, right? Well, that's been going on for decade after decade after decade. Uh, and here they are, all right? So everything that will ever be possible is already possible. Some people who who uh, know the Old Testament will often refer to Solomon saying, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, what he really meant, I believe, in that, in that often quoted line is that everything already exists. The fact that you don't see it is not the, is not the issue. It already exists. There is no new possibility. What's new is us learning to see those possibilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, so there's that. First, it all starts with that willingness. Hey, I want to learn to do that. So that that's a big big mental shift, frankly. Mm-hmm. Second, the second principle in my mind was, you know, just because it's possible doesn't mean you should do it, because there are positive possibilities and there are also negative possibilities. Uh, it's possible for me just to push my off button on my phone here and hang up on you. That's, that's possible. How rude would that, would that be? I don't want to do that. Just because something is possible doesn't mean you ought to do it. You find this in a lot of our technology where there's all kinds of features and, and programs that we'll never touch. So why, why do they include it? Because they could, right? So is that, is that wise or not? We have to make those kind of decisions. And then the third one is even possibilities, and this taps back into the world of measurement, even a possibility in business has to have a cost-benefit analysis. So I can imagine something in, in my business, but you know what? Uh, right now, um, we don't quite have the technology. It's too expensive. You know, it makes the price point too high. But maybe we'll come back and visit that again when we can make it a viable option. So it's still, you still need to justify it. Uh, so somebody at work, for example, may wake up and, and have this idea, 
and that that's great. I mean, we want to encourage that, but the, the circumstances may not be quite lined up yet to make that idea viable, and that's okay, but don't lose the idea. And then the fourth one, uh, the, and this, this is a fascinating thing for me if we want to take baby steps, even the slightest improvement, the slightest iteration expands possibilities by an order of magnitude. So it's you don't have to you don't have to you know reinvent fire you know to to be a possibility thinker even a small thing the favorite one of the examples I use a lot uh, Tabby is is, is uh, imagine that uh, you and your significant other are going to have a dinner party for two other couples so there's six people those six people have 720 different ways of sitting at your table right 720 possibilities for where to sit. Now, here's what's interesting. Let's just say one of those couples just happened to have brought along a friend who showed up at the last minute. So now you got seven people, right? Adding just that one person increases the possibilities to 5,040 places to sit. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So even a small step can be really valuable to an organization. You know, just, just one little thought, if we did this instead of that, if we saved a penny here or a penny there, might make all the difference in the world. So, again, you don't have to reinvent fire to be a possibility thinker. And then the fifth one is that uh, possibilities in our universe, just like nature itself, are all interdependent. They, they're all part of a whole. It's all one thing. And so every time we, we think freely like this and begin to see things that don't quite yet exist, we've got to remember that we've got to look at those as, as part of a, an entire ecosystem, if you will. It, nothing stands alone, right? And so here in America, for example, we have you know, all kinds of craziness going on politically, as you, as you know, and, and we say, well, we're going to put tariffs on this. Well, wait a minute. You can't, that doesn't stand all by itself. That has implications. You know, there's, there's other things that happen when you do that that you may not want to have happen. And so nothing in our world, contrary to what Newton sort of thought, Newton thought that everything was just sort of independent. No, everything is connected. So one thing influences everything else. There's always a collateral implication for every possibility thought that we, that we have. So then, then there's, a, there's two more. There's, there's the sixth one. Which, which is, I have a tendency to want to reach as high as I possibly can. You know, I don't want to settle for anything less. But you know what? The reality is sometimes you have to. Just because there are circumstances or people or stuff that's in the way from doing what you really would like to do. So one of, my, one of the things on my bucket list is I want to fly over to uh, Saudi Arabia on Emirates uh, first class, you know, flights, right? Have you seen those pictures? Have you seen that? Yes, I have seen those pictures. They're supposed to be like the best airline in the world. Yes, exactly. Now, I mean, that would be lovely for to do that. But I, you know what? I can't afford it. All right. So, and and you know, and strangely enough, my clients don't want to pay for it either. I don't understand that thinking, but they don't. <laughs> so, so you know what? Business class is pretty darn good. All right. So I just can look up in the up the aisle there, look past the curtain when it moves, and dream. <laughs> So, and then the final one, real quick, uh, and and this this is a this is a key key point because one of the, one of the questions often asked me is, well, what gets in the way of us doing this? You know, of, of thinking about possibilities, especially in the business world. You know what the main obstacle to possibility thinking is? 
yesterday's success. Hmm. So if we had a if we had a triumphant sales year, you know, you don't hear an executive say, "Okay, now it's time to think outside the box." The only time they say, "Well, let's think outside the box," is when they're in trouble, when things are hard. Now, what kind of logic is that? Right, and and so our past successes. Uh, is the main thing that keeps us from really thinking about what is truly possible. Um, it, it'd be like, you know, rotary phones work pr- perfectly well, you know. Mm. But what if, what if somebody had said, well, wait a minute, what else could we do, you know. Um, so it, so that's, that's the thing. Don't get trapped in yesterday's success. The other thing that blocks people and businesses from thinking about possibilities is the need to control because when you begin to move into the world of possibilities, begin to tap into what's out there in the universe where all possibilities exist, you know, the truth is you're not in control anymore. A lot of people don't like that. They get nervous about that. No, I want to be down here where I can see things and pile them up and measure them and, and, and you know, manage them all. Now, to me, being out there in this, this world of possibilities is exhilarating. It's like being on a, you know, a fairground ride i mean i mean it's it's you do, you almost don't know what's going to happen so so those are those are the that's how i'm thinking right now what possibilities are and and how we can access those more mm-hmm. yeah no and that's great because i just want to kind of like feed back over the seven that you've you've done i mean it's it's recognizing as you said that everything is possible now so it's really changing the way that we're thinking there and recognizing that if everything is possible now we can be discerning because just because it's possible, it doesn't mean that we need to do it. We need to be able to evaluate it and see if it's a, a viable possibility, recognise the cost and the benefit, and then also understand that it's one small step that can have this huge change. We're not really having to think about a huge possibility. It's the small shifts that are creating big impact and recognizing that as we're considering possibilities we've got to recognize the independent interdependence of a system exactly as you're saying the way that nature works because whatever we do is going to have an impact on everything else within the system within the universe within the world that we're living in so how are we able to step back and maybe just accept less recognizing that just because it's possible we don't have to do it and then not hold ourselves back by yesterday's success and continue looking looking forward with a future focus and keeping on exploring possibilities that's an excellent summary and and, and you said it in far fewer words than i did <laughs> yeah. You you you've got it right on, and and so then now we're faced though, Tabby, with the, really the question you asked at the beginning. So now how do I? Where's the start button? What what do I do? You mm-hmm. know, um, and and there's there's something I've learned a long time ago. I was I was always in my especially in my early career. I was trying to always make things happen. You know, I was scheming and conniving and and trying to figure out you know how do I get this and how do I you know, and I stopped I stopped doing that because you know what it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. I, I recognize myself sometimes with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tr- you try to make stuff happen, and I'm not sure the universe really appreciates that. No. When it's when it's when really when you think about it, the universe wants to give you ideas, it wants to give you possibilities. You know, it, 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 and 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 we just have to learn how to listen and how to see them because it, it, the universe wants to be generous to us. So what I'm try what I've tried to do for the last quite a while now is just. Just Ian, calm down. You, you know, let it come to you, 
and and look and see, you know, who shows up in your path, what shows up in your path, you know. And I'll tell you what, Tabby, there's not a day goes by that something just strange, serendipitous, coincidentally just shows up in front of me. You know, it's just really weird. And and to me, I interpret that as the world saying, okay, and you're finally, you know, getting a little out of yourself now, and you're starting to pay attention, so I'm going to begin bringing things in front of you. Um, this happens with me, for example, on LinkedIn, right? Do you know how on LinkedIn, you know, when you're, you're on there and they'll, they'll say, here's some people you might want to meet, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, every once in a while, I'll just see one and I think, who's, you know, why, why am I drawn there? And I'll click on it. And the next thing you know, they live in the same town that I, the same city that I do. And then I, we know these people. To get, it just, you know, I think, I want to meet that person. Now, I have no way of finding them on my own, but if I just relax and say, you know what, the world is, the universe is good, it will bring what I need in my life right now uh, to me. My, my job is to just be open and receptive to that. So if I have that inclination to say I should click on him or her and I don't, that's my problem, right? Because often the universe gives us gifts like this that we don't open. And so it's, it's training yourself to be open. Now, sometimes you know why that was brought to you, and sometimes you don't. I mean, that's, that's just learning. That's just, you know, how we, how we grow. Mm. And I like this because, I mean, when we're talking about how organisations can practically apply these to create transformational change, I mean, from what you're saying there, it's really sounding that it's that internal shift of changing the way that you look. I mean, that's the starting point. There's 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 a way that you can teach teach organisations and people within organisations to apply this. Am I correct? That's exactly right. Just let the let it come to you. You know, um, I mean, this is this is. This is, you know, the old story of the apple falling on, you know, <laughs> Noon's head. You know, I mean, there's, there's, just so, there's just so many ways the world is trying to reach us. And we, we, for the most part, just keep ignoring it, and we keep pushing back and destroying what we have in nature. And, and, and you know, it's sad. It's sad when you see that happening. Mm, it is, and I mean, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned nature there because I mean, it it's 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 very much you know the possibilities thinking is 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 how do you live in in harmony with that essence and that energy that is nature because one of the properties of nature is it's emergent. So when you're working with understanding how to be inspired and informed by the natural world, you have to be open to what's coming in and what's what's emerging instead of trying to control it. So it sounds as if there's a lot of parallels there. There, there are, there are. It's even more. I was looking, trying to think of another word other than just parallel. It, it is parallel, but it's even stronger than that. Uh, I just wrote an article on LinkedIn uh, with the thesis that we will never realize our full potential of our lives until we get back to restoring the potential of nature. Mm. For example, let's just take soil. You know, there, there's such a small percentage of the world's soil that's not contaminated with, with you know, chemicals and radioactivity and, and whatnot. Uh, and, and we did that to soil, right? And so soil can't release its full potential until we stop messing with it and start remediating it. Um, then we take a look at a seed, you know, for a plant or an apple tree or whatever. Even, even the seeds that lead to our food have been restricted and damaged and so forth. The, the potential of a seed has been restricted. Uh, how we grow our food. You've read articles like I have about how the food that we're consuming is almost 
devoid of, of the kind of nutrients that we used to get from food. And, and, and so what are we, what are we doing? And the, or water. You know, what's, what's the potential? What's the possibility of water? Look what we've done to water all over the planet. And, and you, get, you get the idea. And so my, my thinking is that we are part of this nature. And until the, our environment begins to realize its full potential, it's very difficult for us to realize our full potential. Mm, no, that's 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 really really powerful. And listening to you as you're talking there, what, what what's coming to mind? Because I, I I interviewed a, somebody else earlier on today, um, a Danish man called Henrik Holm, who has created a for Europe's first circular economy furniture um, company. And some of what he was saying, you know, is kind of resonating there because where they're what they're doing is they're taking the plastic out of the out of the ocean. And they're actually changing it into furniture that then can be reused, reused and continued. But for me, it's that element of there's this practical way that we're kind of like cleaning up the ocean, allowing the ocean to to, to reach its full potential. And then what will happen when we when we're able to do that? And for me, it was almost like there's there's this process of transmission going on, um, which was just fascinating to kind of think about it. And it's the exact same thing that you're saying. We actually need to clear up this environment to see what the potential is, but also for us. And I mean, it kind of ties into a bit of even what Maslow says. You know, we have our peak experiences, those moments of oneness and insight with the world when we're most commonly out in nature. So if we've not got the environment to support these experiences, how can then we continue tapping into the world of possibilities? Exactly right. Now, here, here's, here's where my mind goes when you, when you say that. Let's take an organization. An organization is also a system of energies, right? And in a way, it, it, it replicates nature, if you will. And so we cannot expect people within an organization where, where there are policies and systems and bureaucracies and hierarchies and controls, you know, that limit them to become possibility thinkers. So in the same way, we've got to look at our organizations and say, all right, what do we have existing right now that is causing stress and limiting the potential of this organization? It can be everything from how to where you park to to a human resource policy, or or to the attitude of managers, or to the design of the of the of the buildings, or the colors of the paint, or or the amount of or a lack of greenery within the office. It could be anything, Tabby, that is that is limiting the potential of that system that we call our office. It's pretty it's pretty exhilarating stuff when you think about it you know of, of, we're, we're just hovering over this enormous potential and it's just so sad it's like having a winning lottery ticket that you forgot about in your drawer and you're going bankrupt you know it, it, it's uh, we, we've got to learn to get to get back to this and, and and to to become curious again and to be willing to disrupt the system and to and to restore the vitality that was intended for us all along. Yeah, and it's 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 wonderful because I mean I I wanted to to kind of ask you about some of the major challenges that stop organisations from engaging effective effectively with possibility thinking. But even as you're talking there, Ian, what I'm hearing you say is there can be so many things within the system that is 
the organisation and it can be from policies, bad management, um, lack of office space. So it's, it's, it's really being able to evaluate what is stopping the possibilities within an organisation and addressing that. And as you even mentioned, the maybe not having enough green space within organisations. You know, I recently was looking at um, the, the Amazon headquarters in Seattle and how they've actually got the, the sphere, which is this meeting space filled with plants from the rainforest and everything and, and really seeing how they're bringing possibilities back into their workspace. And I'm, I'm curious what the impact of that is within the organisation, but also recognising how big that organisation is and how successful Amazon is as well. So, I mean, would you say that these are examples of organisations like Amazon recognising possibility thinking and adapting and applying some of the stuff that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's an excellent example. What, what's unfortunate about the example, though, we sort of hold that up as way up in the air. You know, I mean, we'll never work there. You know, <laughs> I'm in this dingy little thing with you know all these old, you know, this, you know, a little cubby hole someplace. You know, but no matter what, we we still can do a lot. So, for example, one of my areas of passion is in electromagnetic field contamination. You know, we 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 live in this this electromagnetic soup. And we have no idea what it's doing to us. And, and it can be managed. You know, I mean, every outlet on the wall, every piece of technology, every phone is sending out these, these frequencies that, that interfere with us, where, where some of us are sitting under uh, uh, fluorescent lighting. And, and we know that fluorescent lighting interferes with the alpha waves of the brain. And so there, there's so many things we could do to make our environments more more conducive to letting us be who we can be and helping us grow and develop. Mm, yeah, and I, I like that because there's two things I think that you, you, you said there that's really powerful is one, let's not hold up the examples. And I, I've, I've, I've done really well by naming, you know, leading visionaries and big companies, but recognising that we can all have access to this. It's, it's, it's not just, it doesn't just belong to them. And how do we actually address it to, to almost rebalance our system? In, a, in effect, what I'm hearing you say is being able to, to recognise that by rebalancing the outer environment that we're in, especially with the electromagnetic field contamination that you're talking about, that we're actually rebalancing our internal system as well, especially if it's impacting our brain waves and the way that we think. That's exactly right. And, and as, as Tesla said, and as, as he's quoted far too often sometimes, I think, but he said, you know, if you, if you understand how frequencies and vibration and energy works, you'll understand the secrets of the universe. And so it's a matter of saying no matter what, in our own homes, in our holiday, in our work of, uh, place of business, in our churches, in our schools, you know, how do we ensure that the vibration of the place, the energy of the place is aligned to do nothing else but to release our own potential and to reveal to us the possibilities that exist? Hmm. Yeah, no, that is really, really powerful. We'll be right back after this short nature break. So then, how has focusing on possibility thinking impacted the way that you live your daily life, Ian? Well, like, like I was sort of hinting, you know, I'm, I'm, I approach every day by saying, hmm, what, what, what will be the here? Uh, I might have a, I have a conversation later today 
you know, with, with, with one of those LinkedIn connections. I just, I just clicked on woman. I don't, I forget now even where, where she lives, but, but, you know, all, all of a sudden she's doing these, the very same things in the world of, of agriculture and, and so on that I'm doing. I think, well, that, that's what I'm, I'm looking for that kind of talent and skill, you know, now that was just, that was just a click on LinkedIn. Um, but, but I'm amazed at how people just show up. Can I give you another quick example? I have a friend who's an was an Uber driver, you know, and picked up somebody the other day uh, who is from Angola, lives here in Scottsdale, Arizona, but is from Angola. Well, they're just chit-chatting, and, and, and the next thing uh, my friend discovers is this guy is pretty well-placed in terms of his connections in, in the country of Angola, and he has a lot of uh, agricultural interests. Well, that's my world, you know. That's what, that's what I'm trying to influence is how we get our food and treat our water and our soils and everything. Well, so I think, well, you know, I'll give him a call. We had coffee, and now we're talking, we're meeting again on Monday to talk about a strategy for how do we make a proposal to influence the entire food system of Angola. Angola right now imports 90% of their food. Wow. So can we, now, my point is, you know, I don't know if anything will come of that or not, but but my point is, how you know, we, we go from a guy who just needed a ride by an Uber driver to my meeting him to talk about a strategy that will transform that nation, right? So, so that's that's what I I expect that to happen every single day. Yeah, really, really creating a world of possibilities just by allowing ourselves to be open to what is emerging in front of us. That is the ultimate secret. We don't have to make this complicated. All you got to do is say, "I know it's out there, and I'm ready for it." Hmm. Yeah. So then, who do you most admire, and why then? I don't have specific people. I mean, you, you, I, I look at the Teslas of the world and so on. You know, I think, man, if, if only he had lived and, and, and longer and, and, and if we only understood what he was really, you know, and all that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm a big, I, I devour that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm most in admiration of anybody who is breaking the mold, you know, who is seeing things that others don't see. I was just, before coming on with you, I was reading an article, I forget what newsletter it was in, uh, somebody was invent, reinventing scrubs, you know, that the medical people, nurses and doctors wear in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Apparently they're uncomfortable, they're, they don't have any pot. And this woman decides she's going to do something about that, and now she's got this, she's already hit $100 million in sales by redesigning scrubs. You know what, good for you. You know, you saw a possibility there. She literally began by selling them, uh, at shift change time out of the back of her car. And now she's got a $100 million company. Good for her. You know, she saw something that people haven't seen in decades. You know, so that's the kind of thing. I'm just in such admiration of that kind of thinking. Mm. Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty powerful because I'm sitting thinking I would never have thought about scrubs um, needing an upgrade. And, and, and I think that's a great example of just that slight improvement of how powerful it can be, because that, that that is an example of possibility thinking there in action. It wasn't a major change. It wasn't something new. It wasn't something inventive. It was just making something that is essential for a large number of people slightly more comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. I'd say it is, it, she was probably, you know, partly solving a problem, but I think the, the reason that really worked was she saw a whole new, you know, world of possibilities as regards to a pretty mundane item. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's powerful. So what is one of your most favourite memories of time or place in nature and why? Well, golly. Um, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, it, it, I mean, if you define nature as something, you know, different than the red rocks of Sedona, Arizona, or the Grand Canyon or something, I mean, to me, nature is everywhere. It could be in the middle of the, of the city. Uh, but uh, I, I have just been so impressed lately by uh, how many people who we would say are in the senior category, I use that word gently because I'm in it, um, have, have these wonderful ideas and, and, and they've, they've spent their whole life thinking about something and they've never been given the chance to get it out. And over the last while, I have met so many people in that category who have come up with some amazing inventions and ideas that, you know what, if, if somebody didn't hear that and do something with it, it would pass away with them. And, and the kids are going to come along after the funeral and say, what do we do with all the crap that Dad had in the garage? And, and, and it's over. And, and so th- this, is, this is what has impressed me lately, is, is just how, what wealth and treasure we have in minds and hearts of people. And, and, and so I have this, this calling, if you will, to try to find those people and, and to get it out there and say, come on, let's have it. Put it on the table. Let's see if we can do something about it. Uh, and and you know hopefully we'll come across a lot of those. Mm. And I like it because you're one of the first guests who's um, taken that question and um, expanded the definition of nature into beyond just the natural world into to recognizing the the inner nature and how we we have an essence as part of nature as well. So I'm going to ask the same question in the the the, the, the same spirit as you've answered. How have nature experiences like these influenced and impacted the work that you do? Well, it's, 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 it's behind every company that I've set up. I'm working with a new company right now called Sacro Natura, which is Latin for uh, sacred nature. And that is, it, it gets back to what I was talking about earlier, but how do we go back and, and, and take nature back to what it was in the beginning? Uh, uh, and so it, 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 it frankly drives everything I do and everything I think about, Tabby. It, it's... Uh, you know, there's nothing mysterious about it. You know, there's no grand story other than it, it just is behind everything that, that uh, I spend my time and energy on. Hmm. Yeah. So then what's the one thing that you want people to take away from our conversation today? Golly, you know what? There's, there's one phrase, a simple, simple phrase, and that is for everybody every day to think, you know, there's more. There's more. No matter what we're doing, there's more. And, and it, that's built in. Our full potential is built into our DNA. It was already created within us. It's already there. All you got to do is recognize that and begin to let your mind and your spirit begin to, you know, accept it when it shows up in front of you. Mm, that's beautiful. That's really powerful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ian. You're welcome. It's a real pleasure. Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to Jen Petty, founder of Jelt Belts, about her unique belt made from plastic bottles and how she's created a sustainable and responsible fashion company that gives back. If you want to bring more nature into your life and your organisation, find out more about how EarthSelf's nature-connected coaching, consulting and training can help you and your organisation achieve optimal well-being and performance at www.earthself.org.